this is so interesting. The name of this sermon is Where is God When Life Hurts? I was going through my notes. Sermons I preached, I think I preached this back in 2018, and I thought, this is the perfect sermon for right now. You want to know the answer to that question? Where's God when life hurts? Anyone want to know? I can't tell you. It's like a trick, trick question. I don't know where he is. He's created the universe. He's busy. But I'm going to show you how you can grow and, and work and, be, and go through it and learn. Because I asked that question. When my brother was 35 years old, going to Nazarene Bible College to be a youth pastor. He got leukemia and passed away and left four children. I asked that question, where are you at? I asked it so many times that I quit ministry because I said, if, if you can't come in and heal my son, my brother who's going to be a pastor, how can I go to the hospital and pray with people? Where are you at? I asked that question when me and Carla lost a baby stillborn at five months old. Two weeks after Christmas. I asked that question, where are you at? Why am I saying this? Because I ask the same questions, folks. I, people, I just wrote a book called Inside the Mind of a Pastor. It's published. In, but you're going to find out, we're just, I'm just like you. I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to have all the answers. Only God has the answers. I asked that question when my dad, at 67 years old, died of Louis Body's dementia. After being a missionary in Peru and doing all this work for the Lord, I asked that question. The Apostle Paul asked the question when he had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God a question. Let's, let's take a look at that. You got your notes there? And here's what Paul came to. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. Paul says, Is it necessary to boast? Nothing is to be gained. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. He's talking about himself. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now listen, I want you to get this. A lot of Christians don't know this. The Apostle Paul went up to heaven. So when you're reading the 13 books and the writings of Paul in the New Testament, you're reading something from a man that was up into heaven and saw it. You're not reading some fairy tale or some folklore. You're reading from a man who was in the third heaven, saw what was going on, and came back and wrote things that he could say because there's certain things he couldn't say. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Verse 3, I know that such a person, he's talking about himself, I love the way Paul talks, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows, was called up into paradise and he heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. And I think one of the things that he told him was, you don't need to know where I am when I'm doing something. I'm the creator of the universe, and I don't need to call you and inform you of what I'm doing right now. 
Now, why am I saying this? Because I know you have and I have said, where are you at and what are you doing? He's too busy to give me a report on what he's doing. Now, I think the interesting thing was when man sinned in the garden, God said, where are you at? So the real question for this morning is, where are you at? I feel the spirit. That wasn't my, that wasn't my notes. I feel something, something working here, folks. Because whether you know there's not, Levander prayed this, the Holy Spirit is in this place. It's been in this place since 1950 when it first built. When it went up and down, they were, they were saying it's going to not be open anymore. It stayed open all through the pandemic. The Holy Spirit was here, is here, and will always be here. If one person walks through the door and filled with the Holy Spirit, he's here. He's before you come. He's when you're here and he's after you leave. One of the previous pastors that was here before me, Pastor Jack Smith, was here 15 years. And he said this once. I heard him preach. He said this. We're asking for God to, we always pray and ask for God to show up. God's already here. Don't pray for God to show up. You show up. He's here. <laughs> He's everywhere. Verse 6, but if I wish to boast, I wouldn't be a fool, for I'd be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard of me. Even considering exceptional character of revelations, therefore, I keep to keep me from being too elated. I don't know if you've noticed this, but some of the people with the greatest gifts and the greatest ministries have lots of problems and issues surrounding them. And the normal Christian thinks, oh, they must not be doing God's will because something's going wrong with them. No, it's the opposite, my friends. It's the opposite. When you're doing the Lord's work, you will be attacked. If you're not doing the Lord's work, you're not a threat. They'll leave you alone. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, this is, this is what you need to know when you say, where's God at? My grace is sufficient for you. Yes. Quit worrying about what God's doing. We waste so much time wondering what God's doing. Does that make sense? I, I'm guilty of this. The time I'm sitting around worrying what he's doing, I should be doing what I can be doing. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. In this world, is I'm going to do it God's way. And I have to be weak and insufficient so God's power can be seen great in me. So when people see me doing something, they don't see me. They say, God, because they say, there's no way that boy could be doing it, because I know that boy. He ain't all that. Therefore, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read this to you from the message, just a little bit of it. I like what it says here. I quit focusing on the handicap and, begin the, and I begin appreciating the gift. There's a great book by Brene Brown that says, The Gift of Imperfection. We all want to be perfect. We want the 10. We want the perfect body. When we, we get these apps on Facebook, and they, I see people, I meet people in person, I see it on Facebook, and say, that's not the same person. 
They put photos up of them 20 years ago. But it's a gift to be imperfect because when you're imperfect, God can be perfect through you. We spend so much money on vitamins to make us younger. Probably nobody here, but certain places. Plastic surgeons to make you look different. Gym memberships that you pay for and work out twice. All these things to be different from what we are. But we should realize that our imperfections are a gift because in my weakness, God can be strong in my life. And it's hard for people like the Apostle Paul because Paul was a smart. He was a lawyer. He was smart. He knew, he thought he was so, before Christ, he thought he was so smart. He was actually going out and persecuting Christians and taking them to prison to kill them when God knocked him off his high horse and blinded him and, and came in. But it's very hard sometimes for smart people because this gospel is so simple. They want to make it so difficult. And he goes on to say, I'm going to read this from the message part of that. Now I take my limitations and strive with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let... So, this is what I want you to get. The closer to God you're going to get is when you say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. That prayer is so much more effective than this prayer. God, where are you at? What are you doing? You come and tell me. That's a prayer of arrogance. Now, there's time for that because I prayed those prayers. And when I prayed that prayer, the prayer that I prayed the most was when my son Peter was, I think he was two, I'm not sure how old he was. But he used to have these bad seizures in the middle of the night, and I would, I would have to grab him, and he would take his hand and do this and just bust my chin. But I had to hold him to make him. Two o'clock at night, I said, God, I'm a pastor. I preach the gospel. Why can't you help my son? What are you doing? Where are you at? Sorry to yell. Hope that didn't scare anybody. I'm trying to overcome the hammers out here. But I heard this gentle voice say this to me. I'm the same place I was when my son died on the cross for your sins. I heard it. I said, I said, thank you. Did he stop doing that? No. But it made me feel so much better knowing that the God that I serve knows exactly how I felt. Because the Bible I read says Jesus wept. And Jesus was the incarnated God. God in the flesh. And He wept. That means He felt. And we read in Hebrews that we have a high priest that's able to, to feel what we feel because He's been there and done that. So now let's take a look at... Is that clock right up there? I got 25 minutes, baby. Okay. Okay, let's, let's take a look at the next scripture. Hebrews 12. 
I'm going to read Hebrews, I've got in your notes Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, I'm going to read 1 through 6. This is what you need to think about when you're, we're, we're in this situation where you're saying, where's God at? And you're struggling, you're hurting. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so closely clings to us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from, from sinners, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Because usually the prayer saying to God where you at is a prayer of desperation. You don't think you can, you can make another step. But I want you not to lose heart because you're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. And that's not just heavenly people looking down on you. That's church people. That's why it's so important to go to church. Stay at home. Don't get it. You come here, you're surrounded by witnesses that can lift you up and help you. That's why the Word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Staying home is not the same thing as being here. Going to the beach and saying, oh, I see God in the ocean. I do too. But that's not the fellowship of the believers or the saints. See what I'm saying? In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have gotten, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children? My children do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when you are punished by Him. For the Lord disciplines those who He loves and chastises every child whom He accepts. If I didn't punish my daughter every time when she was little for putting her hand on the hot stove, even though you think they wouldn't do it again, but my daughter's, like I am, very stubborn, and she keeps pushing the hot stove, would I be much of a loving father to let my child keep doing something that harms them? That's not a loving father. Why am I saying this? Sometimes, when life hurts, it's because of what you're doing. You need, you need to be corrected. And I've met 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds that are still metaphorically touching hot stoves and wondering why they're being burnt. Metaphorically. They're doing things that they've been doing, and we'll find out a little bit later, if you default to the same principles you use as a child, you're going to be in trouble. I can't act the same way I act when I was four years old. That's why we have celebrate recovery. We try to go back and help you to act like your age. But you meet people, and they're still acting like they're seven, eight years old. What does a seven or eight-year-old do when they get in an argument? They throw a tantrum and run away. What does the adult do? They stay in the situation, calm the situation, and work it out. A, a, a seven-year-old runs away. And that's why 50% divorce rate, that's why people are leaving jobs, churches, because they're still acting like they acted when they were seven years old. I can get an amen. Can I get an amen? You know why I'm saying this? Because I do it. I do it. When I start walking in the flesh, I act like I'm seven years old. But I pray in God to, to take everything and everybody and stop worrying about the, accepting the things that I can change and, and worry about the things that I can't and knowing the wisdom, know the difference between the two, then I act like I'm supposed to be acting. One person likes it, okay. Number seven, 
verse 7. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as if children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not children. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not even more be willing to subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Now discipline always is painful, rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I like this verse. Therefore lift up your drooping hands. Here we go again. This has happened to me again. And your weak knees. I don't know if I can make it. What he's saying. Lift, lift up your drooping hands. and lift, lift up. And make straight your paths. Because when you're hurt and you're just all over the place. You're, make straight your path. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So why am I saying this? Not every time, by any means of the situation, so don't quote me and say this, but sometimes when you're struggling, it's because you need to be disciplined to stop doing something you're doing. I've had people come to me who were smoking, and they had cancer, and they were still smoking, and they asked me to pray for them, and I said, I will, but you need to stop smoking. How am I going to pray for, for and, and I know this for myself, diabetics who eat so much candy and stuff, they need to stop eating the candy. I can pray all day long for you, but if you keep doing something that's harmful to your body, I'm speaking to myself, you're going to suffer the consequences. And God, I don't really think God's supposed to perform a miracle to overcome what you're doing to yourself. I mean, is, so much of the scripture is common sense. Now, it's not every time, because there are all going to be times where, like Paul, I don't think Paul was doing anything wrong at the time. He had that thorn in the flesh, it was helping. But there's going to be times when you're struggling because of what you're doing. If you're the kind of person that says everything you're thinking, anybody ever met those people? You're not going to be able to have a relationship very long. And you're single, and you're wondering why you're single. One of the, one of the part of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control. It means don't say everything you're thinking. And please, don't put it in the email, because that... I've had people send me emails or something somebody said 10 years ago, and I learned I'm not putting nothing in the email. I'll get on the phone with you or something, but I'm not going to text you. I'll speak to you one-on-one, -on -one so you can't... I'll make sure you're not recording it. You see what I'm saying, though? A lot of the situations we're in is because of the way we're acting. I'm going to say acting. Not always, but why am I saying this? Because some of the times we're asking where God's, where God's at and what He's doing. He's saying, I'm trying to teach you something, John. So let's, use it. let's have another situation here. You've worked four or five different jobs. You've had trouble every job with the same kind of people. You think it's the same kind of people, but every job you go to, you have trouble who do you think the problem is? It's you. It's you. 
I made these people. So the best thing you can do is start your own business. <laughs> if you, if you, if you became, but you're going to have customers, and you still got to please the customer. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Let's go to heat. Let's go to Ephesians chapter two, verse one through ten. We'll fill in the blanks. What time just went fly? Went, time just went fly. <laughs> See. I like to talk and no, not too many people listen to me, so I became a preacher so people would have to listen to me. I'm just kidding. My wife says, you talk all the time. Poor girl, she's a bit 12 o'clock at night, and I'm saying, can I talk for a minute? Okay, go ahead. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10 says, You were dead through the trespasses and your sins which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses, and were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he had loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive through Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. So where is, where is God when we're, hurt, when we're hurting? He's willing to give you grace and mercy. And there are times when he will come in like a flood and perform a mighty miracle. There are times when that happens. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So then the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not of your doing, it's a gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. For God, for we are God's work, listen, this backs up what I've been saying. We are God's workmanship created in advance to be doing good works. So if you ask me this morning, and I'm seeing human nature, even human nature, I'm seeing the goodness of people who are showing up at the border and driving people two, three hours and bringing them food and clothes, that's where God's at. And he's trying and trying and trying to reach the people who are evil because he wants to save them too. But the only way they're going to get saved is if they see him and someone else. Because they've been hanging around the other people that aren't saved that's acting crazy. All right. Let's take a break for a minute. Let's do 15 jumping jacks. I'd make it to three and pass out on the floor. But Okay, let's take a look at this. In your notes, I got this from a, a book called Leadership Pain by Samuel Chand, if you want to check that book out. Number one, these are lessons we learn during pain. When we encounter pain, we often default to previous coping skills. So I want you to think... Next time you want to know where God's at and something's going on in your life, sit down and think and meditate. How am I acting? Am I acting the same way I acted before I became a Christian? Because the Bible says when you get saved, all things are new. The old is past. So am I still acting like that? Do I still blow up at people? Do I still do things without praying about it? How am I acting? 
and let him reveal to you. He, he'll probably say to you in a gentle way, you're acting the way you used to act. Let me help you. Two, we grow by design, not by default. No pain, no gain. Ever heard that? Anybody ever worked out in the gym? See, I'm 59. Played football when I was 18, so that many years ago I worked out. Uh, but I'd go work out, and the next day my muscles, they hurt. I mean, just like, I couldn't even hardly. But two or three, the next time I went in there, I could lift more than I lifted before. And it hurt again. But every time I got out of there, I was stronger and stronger and stronger. And I started realizing, it's true, no pain, no gain. Three. We need to realize that painful incidents are rocket boosters that can propel us to a higher level. That's why James says, rejoice when you go through trials and tribulations and persecutions because that makes you strong. I'm not there yet. I always complain when I go through trials. Why me? Number, uh, Roman number two, pain teaches us five crucial lessons. I love this one. This, I love this one. We're more weaker, more self-absorbed, and more fragile than we ever imagined. Now, I got some friends, some friends. I, I don't mean this against anyone, anybody. I got some friends, nobody here. I do have friends here, but. I'm trying to clarify the statement and make somebody go, is he talking about me? There's nobody here. They tell me, I don't need no man my life. The people that are saying it do. <laughs> I've seen it over and over. They do. I don't need a woman. I don't need... So when we say this, we're going to realize we're more weaker, we're more self-absorbed, and more fragile than we think. That's why God, when he created man, said, he made all these animals, and there was none. He said, "I got to make somebody for him. God." Has made in His Word where we need people in our life. We need. Self-absorbed. Oh, it's always you heard somebody say, "Nobody knows what I'm going through." All temptation is common to man. It says. Where have you been tempted or where you're going through? Somebody else at some point in the last 10,000 years has gone through that. Somebody. Okay, two. I love this one. Actually, we don't have a clue what God is up to. And, and the Lord revealed something to me last week. I mean, I make so many mistakes. He's revealed something to me all the time. But I'm, I'm sitting here. Anybody else do this? I'm fussing with the TV screen. I'm saying, how come they don't do this and do this and do this? And I just felt, I had a conversation with Lander last night. I just felt, you know what? I'm sure there's more going on behind the scenes than what's shown because I wouldn't want the White House to come and tell me everything that's going on because if I knew, then the enemy would know. So why am I saying this? If you're like me and you're yelling at the TV screen, telling them what to do, I'm sure there's more going on. We don't have a clue what's really going on. And that's where we can say, thank you, Lord. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Unless you've got your own, your own army and arsenal and all that with you, you can't change what's going on over there. 
but you can pray. You can donate, you can call, you can whatever. You with me? And I want to say this even I want to say this even more on a lower level. We don't have a clue what's going on in the person's life that's sitting by us. We judge people, we criticize them, we put them down. We don't know what that person's going through. They could have major loss in their life last week, and we're upset because they frown or don't shake our hand. We need to realize we don't really have a clue what's going on in other people's lives. But we can give them grace, we can give them mercy, we can give them forgiveness the same way God gave it to us. Does that make sense? That'll make your life a whole lot better. Trying to figure out. I played Junior Holy Spirit for a lot of years and it was too much work. I mean, I tried to tell God what to do and I finally said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can't handle my own problems. I like that movie Bruce Almighty where he was God for a day and he said yes to every prayer and the whole world went to hell in a handbasket. Cars were crashing, things were... You just can't say yes to every prayer. Here's the beauty of it. Three. Through these trials and tribulations persecutions, we become more grateful. I've had some struggles and so have you, but when I, last night when I ate dinner and I said a prayer, I thank the Lord that I was not like some of these people that are down in a basement waiting for someone to bring them juice and a loaf of bread. 